My deep appreciation of theater history was instilled in me by Tom Empey, a college mentor to me and hundreds of others. While teaching Greek theater terms, he would grab the fabric of his slacks and say, You see these pants? Euripides, Eumenides making light of content that could be considered rather dry and stuffy while still maintaining respect for the art, which is what I want to do with this podcast. For each episode, I invite a guest from the many paths my theater career has taken me down. I give my guests no idea what we'll be talking about, but they know we're going to find an outrageous story about theater history and perhaps get a better understanding about why we're still doing it after all these years. So welcome to Euripides Humanities, and I am your host, Aaron Odom. Friends and listeners, this is Aaron Odom from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming, and I'm giving you just a bit of a disclaimer on this episode. I got the opportunity to record this episode live with my guest in person, and we had to do it at a site that made me move my equipment from one place to the other. And if anybody who is familiar with podcasting knows, sometimes settings can get changed. I'm not the best audio engineer, so I did my best. Uh, the content on this episode, though, is hilarious. I hope you'll enjoy it. And here we go. Hello, my friends and listeners. This is Aaron Odom from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming, coming to you for another episode of Euripides, Humanities, a theater history podcast. I am coming off of just a little bit of anxiety here. Uh, I set this up with my guest today to be live in a studio setting. So I have an actual person sitting across the table from me. Uh, but for the last 45 minutes, I've been fumbling with tech. So uh, I apologize in advance if this sounds a little rushed and if I sound a little excited because I currently am in a very agitated state. So I'm trying to calm myself down and get back here. But uh, I want to introduce you to my guest today. Uh, uh, I haven't known this person very long, but uh, since uh, I've met this person, we have gotten along famously. Uh, turns out we have a lot of similar interests, and uh, this is my very new friend, Valerie Hovland. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Valerie, you and I met. You were just a part of my shadow cast in the Rocky Horror Picture yes. Show. What a treat that was. It oh was my a lot gosh. of fun. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I still haven't gotten the full numbers, but we were bigger than last year. Fantastic. So, I Fantastic. Mean, uh, you know, I've heard nothing but good. I Similar? Haven't heard, I haven't heard any bad. Although, uh, it happened again. Last year, we had a very tight-knit group. We only had about 10 people in that one. And this year, we had about 16, so we didn't, uh, you know, didn't quite double our size. But um, I, we have a text... Uh, a group text yes. chat that we're all still following <laughs> up with, and one of our members this week—I <laughs> saw that. Oh my god! Uh, shared some pictures on Facebook, and a friend of hers who couldn't come to the show saw her on stage and went, "Wow, um, 
Are you part of a BDSM group? Which is awesome. <laughs> I love it. The small town's got some kinky feelers out there. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not a public thing necessarily. <laughs> Apparently, now it is. Yes. Um, I do have to uh, just declare: no, we are not part of a BDSM no, cult. No. no, just like to get on stage and uh, be fun, sexy freaks. Yes, and there we were did a bunch of them out in the house. So, uh, but Valerie, you're brand new here to yes. Sheridan. And you have recently moved here with your husband and family from Silicon Valley. Yes. And uh, you are no stranger to the stage. Right. Uh, from what I understand. Yes. We got here in August and I got on all the theater mailing group lists. Oh and, my gosh. And said, I want to be back on the stage and... Your invitation popped up, so yeah, one yeah. of the first. But um, but as far as like experience in the past, right. you, you've been on stage as a dancer for years and years and years, yes. right? Yes, so I yeah. uh, started as a little kid and did all the little you know, dance recitals and then went to San Jose State and got my nice. degree in dance. And oh, wow, at the time, that. Yeah, at the time we had uh, Jose Limon Dance Company in-house, so performed with them, did some backstage theater with them, and then... Did a lot of tech theater and mm-hmm. a lot of performing on stage. And as I got older, I got to do a little bit more branching out and got to do a lot more fun things on my own. Nice. Nice. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank you. I love to expand the theater community and just the understandings of things. And um, it's it, 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 it's fun to have people who like to take a bit of a risk. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It was very nice of you, and I don't mean to call you out, but you even said it yourself. You're like, thank you, everybody, for having the old lady in the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we, mean, you and I are years older than most of them. Right. So. We went, when I came up in the the, the uh, elevator, everybody thought I was somebody's mom or dropping them off. And when I sat down and kicked off my shoes and we went around and everybody introduced themselves and said how old they were, I said, I'm old enough to be only your guys' mom and in some cases grandma. And then I found out I'm older than you. So, hey, I did not mind being the old lady because nobody mm-hmm. treated me like the old no, lady. No. After they figured out that I was there to actually perform. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Those are some kick-ass boots you wore. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. I, I, I'll just describe them a little bit. I mean, how tall are the heels? About um, five? They're, yeah, they're about five inches tall. And they go up to the knee? Yeah. They go up to the knee and black leather with red leather flames yes. all the way up. My yep. God. Speed laces, the whole bit, oh. and, and have had them for 20-some-odd years. <laughs> I uh, used to ride with my husband on his motorcycle, wore him oh. on the back of the motorcycle. I hadn't worn him in quite a while. So nice. I got him out of the closet. My husband said, I don't care where you wear them. I'm going to see wherever they go. <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. You said, bring your costumes down. And I there said, I don't want to outshine the cast, but can I wear these? And you're like, please wear <laughs> Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Please it wear them. It must happen. It must happen. <laughs> it was awesome. Okay. Well, that being said, Valerie, I... I, I Saw this topic the other day, and I just could not figure out who I wanted to talk to. Oh gosh! <laughs> and and you crossed my mind, and I went, "Oh my gosh! I bet Valerie would be just a hoot okay. for this one." So um, I'm going to ask you this, and I hope I'm not bringing up any bad juju or anything. Okay. But I usually like to start the uh, episode with a question, and so I'm going to ask you, Valerie, have you ever had a ghost experience in a theater? Not in a theater, but in a in a hotel. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so there's a very famous hotel in the Bay Area, the Dunphy Hotel, and I, oh, yeah. I had gone there to do um, flowers for a wedding, and <laughs> okay. the, bri- the 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 previous inhabitants obviously didn't want the bride to be there, um... but not in a theater, but. 
I, okay. I have, I have but, friends. But you felt that. You I felt have. That it was presence. it was okay. weird. So what 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 did you feel? Like what happened? It, somebody just wasn't happy that I was there, and oh. they were making it hard for me to do things. I, oh, okay, okay. I've had that, like thwarting me in no particular reason. <laughs> I went out of town the other day, and it was going to be like a, a, a ten hour round trip. Uh, so you're just going to the next city, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Two towns over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, it was one of those mornings where just everything was not going the way you wanted it to. Right. You know, I'm like, okay, I can't find the shoes I want to wear. Uh, we're getting out of town 15 minutes later than I want to when Starbucks is closed. And then I get to the Maverick and they don't even have the kind of drink that I want to drink. Right. So this is going to be a great trip. I can't wait. Yeah. And something was just gnawing in my ear. It's yeah. like, they, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, why shouldn't I? You shouldn't be doing this. Well, why shouldn't I? Mm. Well, so I'm not sure if it was a ghost, but something something, something. didn't want something didn't some want to, to work. And see, that's interesting because uh, when in pop culture we think about ghosts and ghost stories, it's often associated with some place that yeah. a lot of feelings might have been felt, or oh, yeah. you know, something significant might have happened. Um, I mean, if you want to know my story, you can go back and listen to my episode number 13 on the actor William Terrace, in which yeah. I had I had a stage light go right, out right oh, next gosh. to me when I said the name of the person who the theater was named after, and just boom. Did you, have you ever said the name of the bard and then the light comes crashing down? No, oh. no, no. I want to be around when that happens See, to somebody. Yeah, yep. and, and, and uh, we are recording right now in the Wyo uh, Performing Arts and Education Center. Thank you so much, Wyo, for allowing us to do that. Yes. Uh, uh, but we are not to name the Scottish play mm-hmm. here at all. Uh, I would be skinned alive by a technical <laughs> director if that would ever happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, I will also say this. Recently, I, I've had a great fall. Um, I just did an event at Fort Phil Kearney, which is this post I wished I'd gone. I yeah. saw the pictures. Oh, man, it was so neat. Um and the way we did it was we like told the story of this very gory battle in which the Union Army lost very poorly, but it was kind of in response to something the Union Army had done yeah. to the indigenous people. So it's like, I understand why this is happening, <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of like bad karma here, you know? And I can say that it could... You can feel kind of a ghostly presence there. Oh, I yeah, the battlefield kind of gives yes. off a, a vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I mean, I, I also have just kind of had a great season of theater in fall 22 overall, and just a great season in general, not just in theater. Now, I'm not necessarily a spiritual person, but the windfall of things going well for me all at the same time. <laughs> you should start saying your prayers and I your thanks possible, and yeah, yeah. light I mean, your candles. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, I'll just say this. It seemed like something unseen had stepped in. And ah. uh, I may have told you this, but I did lose my dad in May of oh, this I'm year. Oh, sorry to hear that. And immediately afterward, we accredited things to his divine intervention, like sports teams winning games. Oh, good. To have, you know, <laughs> just things that he's yeah. like, here, this will make your day. And that, that would totally be dad. Um, but <laughs> I will allow for the inexplicable things like that to enter my belief structure. Oh, yeah. Okay. My older son was just learning about the Enlightenment in school. <laughs> and while yes. I do appreciate the characteristic of humans the, to, to have the need to figure everything out, oh, yeah. I like to take comfort in knowing that there may never be explanation for some things. They just are. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I, I, and we can appreciate that just that they exist. It's one of my favorite sayings. 
from my favorite comedian, George Carlin, St. George, as I like to call him, <laughs> because he'd tell me to go fuck myself just for calling him a saint. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Valerie, I got to meet him once. I've seen him perform. You actually got to meet him? I, I saw him perform, too. It was so funny. Like, I saw him perform. It, it, uh, it was a same-day ticket. Oh, he was playing cool. a symphony hall in Seattle. And so same-day ticket. I go to the box office, and it's like, well, these tickets were 45, but it's same day, so now they're 22. Wow. Well, okay. What do you have available? They're like, oh, well... Uh, they're two rows from the front of the stage. <laughs> you don't sit there with a comedian. <laughs> no, but, but these are symphony people, so yeah. they're like, eh, you don't want to be there. And I'm like, uh, are you kidding me? I was no further from him for his entire act than like 15 feet. That's it was cool. amazing. That's very cool. But I met him in, I want to say it was 2003, 2004, somewhere. Yeah, th- 2004 at a book signing in Santa Monica <laughs> and uh, I, I, I had gone down to an audition and uh, I, I didn't feel good about the audition and I passed like a Borders bookstore and there's a marquee up front that says George Carlin book signing today. So I, I yeah I, I just I canceled the rest of my schedule for the day and uh, went out to eat and then the line started going and the line you know wasn't all that long I was really surprised. And so I got very close to the front of the line, and I made some conversation with some people around me. And while we're getting up, when he finally gets up, he reads, like, the opening chapter of the book. And it was so great to see him do that in just this little intimate That's setting. That's cool. And then we get up to the line to have books signed. And I have two now, and I'm, I'm like, okay, cool, this is great. Um, this woman in front of me goes, okay, she won't, he won't, he, he, he's, it looks like he's going to allow you to take pictures, but he's not going to pose. Oh, okay, okay. Would you take a picture? She says, yeah, sure. She says, but wait, I got an idea. I'm like, no, 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 I hardly know you. Let's not get into shenanigans here. <laughs> she goes, okay, when you get up there, I, I'm right behind you. When you get up there, go ahead and, uh, like, what, what we'll do is I'll sneeze. And when he turns to say, God bless you, you look over too. And it'll be like, you pose for a picture. Okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do yeah. that. Will you please just take a picture of him signing the book? Um so I got up, I put my two items down. I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate your work. He's like, thank you for coming. And I said, by the way, this person behind me in line thinks we're going to take a picture together. And he's like, well, that's fine. I'm not going to do any shit like any. Makes this goofiest face. <laughs> and then he just continues to sign the book. And then we hear this like totally rehearsed, achoo! And we both just look over. And the look that we have is just like, you dumbass. <laughs> You would have called her a name if it had been a Absolutely. Yeah, gotcha. I gotcha. Gotcha. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I met George. But That's good. anyway, back to what St. George had yes. to say about oh, yes. the yeah. unexplained. This is one of my favorite quotes ever. You live 80 years, and at best, you get about six minutes of pure magic. Collectively. I just love that. Very cool. Out of 80 years, you get six minutes, you just go, I don't know what happened. <laughs> It's better than the quote my family uses from him. Oh, okay. Yeah, what? what um, you smell like a buzzard over top of a shit wagon. <laughs> it's actually from one of his bits. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, be that as it may, in the theater world, it would seem that the supernatural is often a way to handle some of the unexplained occurrences in the theater world. They're very superstitious folks. Oh my god, I have <laughs> yeah. a whole episode on it. Uh, yes. I was going to talk about it here in a minute, but... Uh, Despite theater being an absolutely unpredictable art form due to the totally live aspect of mm-hmm. being in front of an audience. But there is an old saying in theater. If, you d- if your theater doesn't have a ghost, invent one. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gives you street cred. Right? You've heard that? Okay. <laughs> yes, I have. Now, he, for, for the meaning here, uh, just like Valerie's suggesting, it gives you street cred, and it basically says that if your theater doesn't already have unexplained sightings of visitors from the afterlife, start the rumor yourself and allow it to grow. It's almost like a good luck ritual for your space. Yep. And like I said, if you want to hear more about theatrical superstitions, <laughs> go back and listen to my episode 22. It's great. We talk about all kinds of supernatural gobbledygook. So, however, bringing it back to theater ghosts, I, I've already done one haunting episode. And I'm like, but there's so many stories. Oh, yeah. There are so many stories. And I, I started to look into this one, Valerie, and <laughs> I just... Oh, my God. I want to know why you thought of me for it. Oh, I, I, well, I think you have a capacity for shock and awe. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but bring it back to Theater Ghosts. I want to know, you've traveled a bit. Uh-huh. Um, I want to know if you've ever been to London. I have. You have? I have. Have you ever been to the West End in London? I was a teenager, so oh, maybe. Okay. okay. Maybe. Does was... uh, uh, Portugal Street... Sound from no, I, I know I have walked up and down Portugal Street. Okay, okay. And when you walked up and down Portugal Street, did you ever cross, come across the Peacock Theater? Uh, we did. <gasps> I did. Did you go to the Peacock I, Theater? My mother wouldn't let me. <laughs> Sorry, moving okay. on. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think we're both going to get a bucket list item here. <laughs> yeah. So, let me just tell you this. The site of what is now known as the Peacock has had quite an interesting history in the performing arts that spans literally centuries. Okay? And we were talking London. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the land on which the Peacock sits was originally the site of Gibbon's Tennis Court, or the Veer Street Theater. Okay? This was opened in 1660 to be the home of the King's Company, led by Thomas Killigrew, after King Charles II, one of my favorite characters I've ever had on this show. <laughs> After King Charles II had reopened theater in the UK after the Puritan Commonwealth era, in which theater was banned for 11 years. And I, you go into my pilot episode, I go into that in a lot more detail, but this is just for reference. So, uh, anyway, Gibbon's tennis court wasn't actually just a tennis court. <laughs> Although, I, I wasn't there when it was built, but I can imagine. <laughs> but rather, it was a new development in British stage design that took the idea of an indoor tennis court where spectators could watch in galleries, like stacked galleries, and they turned that into a theater space. So then, like, on one end could be a a, a stage, or they might actually have stuff out in in kind of the round a little bit, but not really. Uh, I mean, it's a little primitive, but hey, they were reinventing after 11 years. So... Regarding its placement in the spectral arena, (laughs) Gibbon's Tennis Court was one of only two theaters operating at the time, as in 1660, Charles II had only given two companies authorization to create and perform theater. More eventually occurred, but for that time there were only two. And man, were they in competition with each other. So some some bad juju feeling here, Mm -hmm. okay? So, uh... I bring up this Gibbons Court because it is frequently debated that it is the first place in which a female actor appeared on stage oh, as a performer. Oh, the first? I have yep. heard that. Yeah, yep. okay. Well, at least in the Western world. Okay. I mean, there. I think there's some written about in Roman times. No, I um, remember in my theater mm-hmm. history class, yeah. the first female performer, yeah. the first time they yeah. let a woman actually play a woman. Yeah, yeah. Japan was doing it way yes. before we did, but... Pff, well, they were way more progressive. Don't care about that, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were more American than we were, yeah, inventing yeah, yeah. gunpowder. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, uh, an actor named Margaret Hughes played Desdemona in Shakespeare's Othello in, 16, in oh. 1660. It was a big deal. I, yes, I remember learning it was scandalous. <laughs> oh, my word. But not only was that scandalous, Margaret Hughes, or Peg, as many called her, was a woman with a fair amount of scandal just in I, her personal yes, life. You I, know I, about I, this? I, I do. I do remember learning oh. some of this that they had to... Bind her so that she wasn't as as feminine looking as she could have been. I do remember this part of my theater history. Yeah, I do remember that part. Oh my God, this is yes. And and uh, I, I promise uh, my listeners, I'm not going to go into a full bio of Peg on this one. But reading this yeah. story, I'm like, I gotta hit this at some point. <laughs> I gotta hit this. So, having never married, Peg was rumored to have been involved with several affairs, including a possible affair with King Charles, but remember, he had a lot of them, so it was like... Yeah. Eh, every, I, I, think, was, I think there was you could count the number of people he hadn't had affairs with. Yes. Easier. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Did you know no. that Diane... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The, the next in line to the throne... Now, and now King Charles III is on the throne, yes. which blew my mind because the last time we had a Charles was this guy. Yeah, we're talking right. about I, I, They were debating whether he was going to pick King Charles too, right. for that particular reason. Oh, God. I, I, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's bring some dignity back to right, the name. Right. Anyway, go on. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> but, but it is rumored that his son, the first one, uh, Harry or George, I can't remember. William. God. William is a direct descendant of one of... Uh, King Charles's bastard child. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> because Diana, his mother, was from that blood. Yes, blood. yes. They're, that they don't really necessarily have a family tree. They kind of a bush. A yeah, bush. It's a, a gnarl. It's a gnarl. Yeah, gnarl. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but most famously, Peg was known for being involved with Prince Rupert, Duke of Cumberland. Oh. Just imagine another like stuffy. Yes, everything <laughs> has rabbit fur trim and yeah. Okay. <laughs> The two had a long-lasting relationship, but never married, uh, despite a lot of advice to do so. <laughs> like, Rupert, she's famous. She's on stage. People know her. This would be okay. And for whatever reason, he's like, no. Uh, and She they, had, was a bit of ill repute, was my well, understanding. I'm going to get there. Yeah. Um, uh, and despite having one child together, a daughter, Ruperta. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> You should have just put kick me on her back. <laughs> now, beyond this long love out of wedlock, Peg is described like this in the diaries of Samuel Pepys. A mighty pretty woman, as you were suggesting, with great beauty, with dark ringleted hair, a fine figure, and particularly good legs. <laughs> is he describing a cat, a horse? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah um, I'm gonna pull up a uh, a portrait here and show you of Margaret because it was uh, kind of fascinating to me that this was the official portrait that she got from from the official court portrait artist Peter Lely because she was involved with Rupert. Oh my! God. There it is. She's got a boob hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm involved with a member of the court. Here's my succulent tit. Yes. I mean, God. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and, a, yeah, and they 
mouth about cleavage these days. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yes. And you girls don't have yeah. your your shirts and stuff right, that go over right, the shoulder. Right. Oh my god, my equipment is failing me here. Okay, here we go. Great, that's going to be fun to edit out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway. Um, so back to where this might actually relate to supernatural Yo, disturbance, yes. right? Okay. She's, she's got a phantom boob. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see? Uh, like nothing. Up. Just a breast. <laughs> it glows. Uh, oh God. Um, now it's not. It, funny enough, it's not a ghost of Peg or any of her rivals that matter too much to today's story. I just found out that that just happened to be in the same place as the Peacock <laughs> Theater. That's a better topic. Anyway, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, just when. <laughs> but I bring her up as a taste of things to come because when I started reading about her, like I said, I, I, just, I, have, yeah. to, I have to do one. Yeah. Know. Now, being a fairly contentious and scandalous figure could lead us to believe that that's why I'm discussing her in a specter sense, but actually, no. Gibbon's tennis court survived the Great Fire of London in 1704, but actually burned down on its own in 1809. Disgruntled tennis player. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, John McEnroe before the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> And while another building was put up in its place, commissioned by Oscar Hammerstein I, the father of the legendary musical maker, to be a new Brit- jewel in the British theater crown, it had its pitfalls and perils as well, never reaching much more renown than that of being a movie house. And it was eventually demolished in 1957 to make room for an office block. So, oh. any other reason for spooks to seek refuge here? Not yet. Okay. Okay. The current space in which the Peach- Peacock Theater resides is the ground floor of the building known as the London School for Economics. It's had several names over the year, but that's the current one. Okay. And it's on the eastern side of London's West End. Built as the Royalty Theatre in 1960, it was home to a few theatrical productions before, again, basically being used as a movie theatre, concert space, and for a time was the studio audience space for the TV show This Is Your Life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. But in the 1970s, the Royalty Theater had some other unusual tenants. <laughs> you ever heard of Paul Raymond? I don't think so. Oh, boy. I, 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 I want to deep dive a little bit into him to determine whether or not he has done enough theatrical activity to warrant a space on a theater history podcast. But what an interesting fellow. Um, <laughs> I, I was commenting from one of our Rocky Horror castmates uh, commenting with one of our Rocky Horror castmates about just how good it felt to do that show. Like, you know, it, it, it was fun to get up there and go, wow, I can be sexy on stage. Oh, yeah. But then I go, wow, it's interesting that I have discovered an aptitude for adult-themed entertainment. You definitely changed. You went from being a director to being, <laughs> screw it, do it. <laughs> It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, and we did get our big surprise for the night. Like, last year, it was Riff Raff getting so excited that he ripped off his shirt and his jacket and the time warp and threw it to the crowd. Oh, you mean when the, when they made out? Yes! Yes, that was awesome. Yes, uh, my Eddie was played by a woman, but she had a lot of, like, just rock and roll chutzpah, uh, yeah. you know? And my Columbia was our magenta last year, so she just wanted to try, like, a different and energy this year. And she's just darling as can be. Oh, my God, it was adorable. A little tutu and the top hat. But, I mean, she's just as darling as That's can be. true yes. as well. Um, so at the end of Hot Patootie, they have just run out in the audience. Oh and gotten them so yes. excited and then come back on stage 
And Eddie just lands a big fat kiss on Columbia. Two women kissing on stage yes. in this little town that might uh, have otherwise And we talked about it beforehand, pearls. and they're like, no, we'll just finally have a little peck. And they just went for it. It was Woo! awesome. Well, I mean, you feel the roar of the crowd. Yep, the yep. smell of the grease paint. Um, but getting back to Paul Raymond. Yes, yes, sorry, Paul. Paul Raymond was known as the King of Soho. Okay. And he was primarily known as a publisher in softcore pornographic magazines. <laughs> but eventually became a club owner. When the first strip club opened in Soho, this was not his, Paul Raymond went to it and went, I can do better. <laughs> he therefore opened the famous Raymond's Review, mm. and its brightly lit marquee with a neon dancing girl on it soon became a landmark. Yes, okay. that I have heard of. Yeah, all right. Raymond soon established it as a private club, in order to circumnavigate laws and regulations around nudity in public places. Yes, my guy. Within the first two years of business, the club is reported to have enlisted 45,000 members. <laughs> Not really that private, then, is it? <laughs> Best kept secret in town. But I just, I, like, that whole idea of, you know, we've got to keep those things secret. We've right. got to keep them out of the reach of people. No. Because if they are available, they won't stop. <laughs> and he tried and they came anyway. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But this was just the start mm-hmm. of his empire. And uh, like I said, I'm going to have to skip doing an entire biography on the man because it's pretty interesting. But like I said, it doesn't have a lot that I found right away about theater history. But I might be wrong. Listeners, please send yeah. me some tweets. Send me some information. If you think that Paul Raymond is worthy enough to be on a theater history podcast, because I'll just say this. <clears throat> In 1992, Paul Raymond's wealth surpassed that of the Duke of Westminster who was then the wealthiest man in Britain. And Raymond did this through, like, acquisition of properties and okay. and, and, and things that generally people would enjoy, but also some adult-themed uh, adult things along the way. Raymond's fortune at the time was expected to be 1.2 billion British pounds. Wow. And my math on this is probably spotty, but that's pretty near 3 billion today. Wow. Okay. Uh, But other than being known for being wealthy and owning a lot of properties around London and elsewhere, Raymond's, air quotes, legacy is actually somewhat dubious. (laughs) Here's a quote I found. The key to Raymond's success was that he realized the live body beautiful could do better business at the box office if it was taken out of the dark, sweaty cellars and put into the plush world of theaters where a man, a gentleman could even take his lady. Ah. Okay, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I see some gears turning there. I I could tell you a story, but... (laughs) It's my show. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Raymond did this not just at his private clubs, but he took his act on the road, as it were, or at least booked events at more upscale establishments. One such place was the Peacock Theater, Ah. or as it was known then, the Royalty Theater. Gotcha. Okay? Uh, If you visit the Peacock today, you'll visit what is considered a pretty modest 1,000-seat theater that has served a multitude of purposes, like I said, being the live audience for This Is Your Life, and um, I think... um, Oh, yeah, if you go back and listen to my episode on uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Equus, it was actually the place where O Calcutta first showed up in London. And that was like a big nude show that 
sold tickets for years. It was ridiculous. Um, and that might be, <laughs> might be because of what Paul Raymond did here. I can't remember the timeline very well. Um, but if you're able to visit the Peacock, and if you get the opportunity to take a tour below the stage, you'll see the remnants of an apparatus that could lift a 45,000-gallon water tank. Oh, heck yeah. Now I need to go back. To the stage and then lower it again out of sight. And what was in the tank? <laughs> in 1974, Paul Raymond created a show that would be quite the spectacle to see. On the poster, the show was called Paul Raymond's 300,000-pound spectacular extravaganza, Royalty Follies. Oh, my. The poster also touted glamorous dancers, skaters, showgirls, singers and swimmers, a huge cast of 60 sensational specialty acts, including the fabulous royalty girls. I mean, it's like, it sounds like the Hooters girls. And... Miss Nude International and her Miami Dolphins. I love it. I love it. I was hoping you'd say Mermaid Show, but dude, <laughs> animal and uh, animal and women acts have been going on for years. Right? So yeah. yes, yes. Like, like okay. This, you know, yeah. Oh, that's right. Tijuana donkeys. Uh, yep. Oh my God. <laughs> Paul Raymond created a Vegas-like showgirl show that featured dolphins. I love it. The stage of the royalty was fitted with all kinds of technical accoutrement to contain the show, including the aforementioned raising and lowering giant water tank with dolphins in it. That's so cool! But also trapdoors that were built into the top of the proscenium arch so that scantily clad and generally topless women could descend from it as part of the what? show. Yeah, okay, I, we need to go back. Right, right. What I'm hearing from this is that Paul Raymond knew an audience that liked buzzwords or concepts. Of course, the glamour of Vegas showgirls in the 70s had become world famous by this point, so mimicking their style wouldn't be hard to pull off. Put some sequins on it and get some feathers. And put some water on it. Right. And as I mean, and you just have to have somebody who can buy it. Well, you have the richest guy in Britain who's like, eh, I can do that. No, spared no expense. Ah, there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Go. And selling the acts is spectacular that one might want to see in a circus, you know, seemed to be like soften. It might soften the blow a bit that most of the performers <laughs> were at least topless or nude. <laughs> if they're jumping through flaming hoops, who cares? Yeah, who cares that, you know, they got a nipple hanging out? <laughs> yeah. And now Peg doesn't seem all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Speaking of nude. We're not just offering some gross, low-level dancers who have too much glitter and smell like cotton candy, okay? These are like <laughs> Vegas-style showgirls, you know? They're incredibly fit. They, they they're have athletes! A, yes! They have a, a certain figure, you know, they're tall and slender and athletic, but, you know, gotta have some great upstairs. Um, oh! And of course, we're talking about Miss Nude International. That has some clout, yes. right? Okay. If that, yeah. Yeah. And of course, the commercializing of American football and the familiarity of the name, the Miami Dolphins, most likely used without consent. Well, that could certainly hype up a show. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a difficult poster to put together. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> But of course, the centerpiece of the performance was obviously the dolphins. <laughs> Apparently, dolphinaria 
Yes, that's a word that I found as studying this. It's aquarium for dolphins, or, you know, public exhibits of dolphins, had become quite popular in London in recent years. Well, hey, there we go. We've got all this other stuff that's fun. Let's get some dolphins up there. Yeah, because yeah, people be- will pay money to go see dolphins in London. <laughs> so we got dolphins, nude girls, shows, explosions, mm-hmm. sequins. Roller skates. Well, yeah. P.T. Barnum. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is absolutely P.T. Barnum of smut. Yep. I love it. That's like three episodes in a row now I've talked about smut. Um, well, uh, you may have to change the title of your podcast. Or it needs or it needs a, a disclaimer. It needs that tipper gore yeah. uh, parental advisor. There you go. Well, it is all my episodes are explicit, but hey, that's theater. Yeah. Um, but of course, like I said, okay. So all of this was done to show people that nude women could be displayed on stage without being considered vulgar. Great. Great. <laughs> I love it. Have at it, Paul. I love it. Now, the dolphins, a pair of bottlenose dolphins named Pixie and Penny, were trained to do all sorts of fun tricks with the women, including being able to remove the tops and bottoms from women as part of the act. And this is the first of a couple of points that seem to be hotly contested in throughout history okay. as I was looking at it. Okay. Some sources suggest that Paul Raymond is quoted to have spilled the beans on how to train dolphins to remove specific pieces of clothing from performers. Quote, you put a bit of fish on the bra hooks. Okay. <laughs> Enticement, yes. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. More than likely, the costumes were created with specialized snaps that would allow Pixie and Penny to remove the clothing clothing with ease, but would hold strong enough so that the women could move through the water without worry of losing their clothes before it was time. Okay. And, I mean, dolphins are, they're classically known to be very, very, they take to training Yes, they're very intelligent, they're very trainable. I mean, sure, Um, the military wanted to try to weaponize them, so. So, um, I have to show you uh, just a few of the images from... (laughs) from the show here. Um, so there's the tank. Oh. And they've got like a mirror uh, at an angle above the tank so you can see them. Uh, and feel free to describe anything you're seeing. Yeah, this is great. Okay, so we... Mm-hmm. we why are you showing me more naked boobs? <laughs> but, well, this one isn't naked. Oh, okay. So. Get, uh, well, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, okay. See? Oh, that's a great outfit. Okay, the, okay, I love the boots and the, yeah. and the headdress and... Is she underwater yet, or is she no, still? No, no, oh, I think she's, she's just walking in front of the tank. In, yeah, okay. she's just walking in front of the tank. But and it's, it's, that's awesome. It's got this headdress that in the front has yes. like these, like, it's almost a wig that goes down to her waist in the front. It's and glamorous. Down to her ankles it's, in the it's back. It's definitely Vegas mm-hmm. showgirl quality. Yep. Uh, here the we go. The flipper stripper? <laughs> oh, okay, so the dolphin's taking her G string off. Oh my gosh! Pixie the dolphin made mm-hmm. an instant splash with the lovely mermaid. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so cool. And I think that is Miss Nude International. That's Linda Salmon. I run no, her name, her name is name. not Look, Salmon. Look, it says it right there, Linda, Linda Salmon. Salmon. <laughs> oh, my God. Th- th- that's got to be her stage yep. name to perform with the fish. It's got to be. Okay. The, the great international nude show. They're not, but all those women are dressed. Yep. And some guys. Yep. And look, they're having a ball. Well, dolphins look happy. That's true. That's true. And she's training them and feeding them and Mm -hmm. positive reinforcement. I mean, they don't look like they're uh, ill-capped. No, no. But now we have more naked women in the pool with them. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Ooh, I like that set. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, that is so lavish. See, and I mean, it, it is it is so absolutely Vegas. There's yeah. no there's no other like. Uh, but defining it, theme other than extravagance. Right, but it's also got that whole um, uh, uh, Chinese opera look yeah, to it, too, yeah. mm-hmm. with like just explosion of color and, yeah. oh, I love it, the, uh, the audaciousness yeah. of it. So, yeah, great. there we go. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a fun review. But um, I would have went to go see it. Right? I mean, it, there are things like that when I see way too many uh, uh, adjectives on a poster, then I'm like, oh, okay, uh, it's probably not a, that good. <laughs> the, if nothing else, the color would have been worth seeing. Just this right? explosion, the riot of color is oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, and just, then there's dolphins and yeah, water. The and riot of the dolphins, yeah. Yeah. But, as you were kind of suggesting, and uh, this is the other very hotly contested issue here, is the care of the dolphins. Um, I mean, you were looking at it, you're like, yeah. they look like they're doing okay. I mean, But in the 70s, uh, animal yeah, care okay. wasn't like okay. it is now. So we're animal gonna, performance. Yep. We're going to bring it all back to what I was originally talking about okay. with this episode. Fairly needless to say, Raymond's royalty follies didn't actually last that long. Okay. <laughs> it ran its scheduled 12-week run. But no interest resurfaced in moving the show elsewhere. Okay. And despite suggestions towards the obvious, the show did not close due to adverse criticism about having nudity on stage. Oh. But mainly, it was just too expensive to run. Oh, okay, good. I thought you were going to say something sad, like the animal performers. Oh, hold on. But what was to be done with the dolphins after the show had closed? Well... Some sources suggest that the dolphins were left behind once the show left and died from neglect in the years following the show. Oh, yuck. This is obviously not true because the Royalty Theater still hosted events. Okay, good. If there was rotting dolphin meat under the stage, you would have smelled it. And it still continues today in this uh, renamed Peacock Theater. But the reason for this obviously falsified report is that the Peacock has its own ghost story. Oh, the ghost of dolphins? A spectral squeaking. <laughs> Not unlike a crying baby. So Pixie wants her thongs back? <laughs> Those can regularly be heard desolately wailing by its now abandoned and rusted prison. So if you're down by the dolphin tank, you might hear the dolphin. Mm, that would freak me out. <laughs> and it's heard with regularity and frequency. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Enthusiasts call the ghost Flipper, despite the actual Flipper from TV and film having absolutely nothing to do with Paul Raymond's show or the Peacock Theater. That's just what they call the ghost. Well, most famous dolphin. Right. On the other side of the debate, many handlers have quoted that Pixie and Penny were treated with the utmost of care, and British dolphin history enthusiasts... There's a British dolphin history enthusiast. That's a a subgroup. They claim to be able to trace the transfer of the pair of dolphins to safe havens after their time when Raymond's show was over. Good. Pixie and Penny actually died in 1977 from a skin disease they both contracted while they were on lease for shows in the Far East. Mm, Yuck. Yeah. But while they were in Paul Raymond's care, just fine. And while they were in the Royalty and now the Peacock Theater, just fine. Skin disease contracted in the Far East. Sorry, there's a joke there. <laughs> Sorry, there's just a joke there. Scarlet fever. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> but to this day, the dolphin calls can be heard in the peacock, particularly below the stage, very near in distance, in location, to where the London Underground Piccadilly line passes very near 
and makes sounds very similar oh. to the squeal of a dolphin. <laughs> so the t- so the underground may be causing the squeak. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. and with regularity because it's just yeah. coming by there, and you just hear this. Yeah, <laughs> the the tube is loud. Yep. And Valerie, that's uh, that's my story on the ghosts, the ghosts of the Peacock Theater. <laughs> the ghost of the Peacock Theater is a dolphin or a train, depending on who you ask. No, no, it had to be a dolphin. Okay. I, you know, that, I mean, I went to see a movie with my family this last weekend, and uh, the movie theater that we, you know, I've been in this town for a long time, and I've known a lot of people who've worked in the movie theater, and they say uh, that theater that we were in has been the one to most frequently have a ghost sighting in it. Just down the block? Yep. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 got several screens. And the mm-hmm. one one room that we had, uh, I lean over to... It, we were seeing the new Black Panther movie. And I lean over to Andrew, the woman who walks beside me. And I said, well, you know, this is the theater that's supposed to be haunted. Just so you know. She goes, well, if Chadwick Boseman is going to come walking out of that screen, he can just do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that particular specter I'd be okay with. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... I've worked in theater a long time. I, I, I don't have any, you know, I, I have my one ghost story, but at the same time, it can be traced back to electrical failure. <laughs> well, that's boring. I know. <laughs> but, you know, I still have a lot of life left, I'm hoping. Yeah. And perhaps I will be proven wrong. We can create a ghost story for, for the YO. Uh, I, I bet there is one. I just have never heard it. <laughs> We should start it now. That's it. Okay. Yes. All right. Some, so some tragic. Well, I mean, the main stage is called Sophie's Stage. There is a woman named Sophie who uh, was a very big contributor to the arts, and I always remember her as having just the biggest, biggest smile. So I just can't think that she would be somebody who had some ill intent that she needed to stick around for. But yeah, not all ghosts are trying to work things out. All right. Some are, just, some are supposed to be helpful or just guardians or just to let you know they're still there. Yeah. And, and they just do like kind of regular stuff. I mean, I go back and I think about William Terrace in episode 13 and he doesn't do anything. He just kind of like wanders yeah. from off the stage into the house and maybe through a wall here and there. And, and you're not expecting it. You're just like, no, I didn't expect Maybe we can make her the benefactor that sits in the front row and applauds there for all the... Oh, I love it. Yeah. I so love it. Make her something positive. Well, she didn't come to Rocky Horror. I know that much. <laughs> We didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We built the seats ourselves. Well, there we go, Valerie. We had a fun little journey. Yes. And found out that there are dolphin ghosts haunting theaters, apparently. Yes, there are. <laughs> so, final thoughts on that? Um, I, I would have loved to have seen that show. I, right? I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, over the years, I've seen quite a few shows of yeah. marginal repute and... I, that would have been what I would have... It reminds me of Cirque du Soleil's yeah. predecessor. Ooh. Yeah. They they were the ones that kind of oh, like paved yeah. the way for their, okay. their... Is it Mystere that's the one where the ladies dive in the... Well, that's I think that's still there. I yeah, think they still I have that. that. Yeah, um, I just went to Vegas at the beginning of August and I saw Ka. Yeah, I've seen Ka. That was my first Cirque show I've seen. Um, but we did... Uh, some of us in our group did uh, go to a burlesque show. And we're like, well, we're in Vegas. This is going to yeah, be great, I mean, right? Um, and I'm not going to say which one I went to because uh, I'm going to kind of not necessarily talk bad about it, but not entirely favorably. Um, it was this little like horseshoe-shaped 
a, a house Review, that, yeah. that you could sit maybe 150 people in, and there were f- five or six girls on the stage. And one one member of our party went, all the girls look the same. Yeah. And went, they did. They did. Well, there's, there's one particular body type that people want to see. Right. And that's the only... T- one that they tend to cast. I guess so. so. Yeah. Um, and I, I will not forget it. Like, uh, they did all the themed stuff. They had a pole out in the middle of the house where a girl and did amazing aerial tricks and everything. And then they pulled a guy out of the audience and took him backstage. And I'm like, that guy's a plant. And my whole group's like, no way. I'm like, watch, he's going to come back and he's going to be like completely molested and have different pieces of costuming from the theme that's going on in a, in a, at this time. And oh, lo and behold, he did. I'm like, they couldn't do that. They can't do that. He did not pay for that. Um, <laughs> but the one that I remember, though, like I said, look, I want to see a girl in a champagne glass. I saw a girl in a champagne glass, and that I, I think it's mis- I think it's mysterious that they mm-hmm. and that on the my we all went to go see it when we were there, and the girls dive in and out of a yeah. martini glass. Yeah, now that was cool. That's now we were in the cool. front, we were in the front row, so we were Ooh. looking up. Oh God! Mark. So not only did we get to see the aerobatics, but we got to see the costuming move, and it was oh. really cool. It was really cool. Wow. Well, the one that I remember was a girl came out and danced with these like industrial grade really long rubber bands that were suspended from the ceiling. Oh. So just like her basic uh burlesque uh I think it was set to like 80s hard rock. So it was that kind of like, you know, video uh, music video dancing, yeah, yeah. right? But because she had these rubber bands, she could slow her movement down. Oh. And like she did a jump and the splits and, and then, then she was able to slowly That's lower cool. and I'm like, ooh, oh, I want more of this. That's this cool. is fascinating. You're actually showing me how you can use this to be more interesting other than, hey, I'll take this off. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. <Yeah. laughs> but of course, that of course commenced later. Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. no, I'm not advocating for every show to be topless. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why do you go to Vegas? <laughs> I mean, that's great to go see the the gre- the the big performers oh, in yeah. the in the stadium shows, but I like going to Vegas and doing the fun stuff and seeing the fun stuff and yeah. doing and doing the old Vegas stuff. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the speakeasy old, but no. The showgirls and the the events and the right. gambling and all that and yeah, I'm, if I want to go see Celine Dion, I'll go see Celine Dion. Yeah, I don't yeah. necessarily need to go to Vegas to see her. No, you're in Vegas to see Vegas, right? Well, at least I am. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 yeah, it took it was a whole family trip, so I had to you know plan things that were safe for kids and everything like that. And so we did things, but usually we <laughs> most of the time uh, the kids were in bed by ten. Ah. Um, I mean, actually, the one that I did not go see. All, all the ladies in my party went to see Magic Mike. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of watching no? male strippers. No. Okay. I mean, they're 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 great. They put on great shows. Yeah. There, but it's, like you said, one particular body type. And, right. And, and I hate to say it, men don't move the same way women do, so they have yep. one movement. Yes. Look at it, look at it, look at it. Move on. <laughs> I'm going to shake my leather. I can show you it from the front. I can show it from the back. And then I move on. But they only know one move. Right. Look at it. Yep. Where yep. at least with burlesque dancers, mm-hmm. when they when they're good at it, they they can show you lots of things, and then they don't show you anything, but you still got a show. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. I like that. 
I like that. And yeah, I mean, I can say that now, thinking back on it, that's exactly what I got out of the burlesque show I saw. Yeah. Wow. Valerie, thank you so much You're for... You're welcome. The, this has been great. ...enjoying this trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and now I have a reason to go back to London. Oh, my God. I, I haven't... I've never been... I need... I, like, I, as I'm doing the show, I'm like, okay, I'm creating a list, and these are the things I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen, oh, and yeah. the peacock is going to be one of them, and I want to sit there at least long enough to hear a squeal from a dolphin. Or a train. Or a train. Yeah. But I'll just say, you know, hey, pixie. Hey. <laughs> Love it. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again, Valerie. Um, And uh, for my listeners, this is Aaron Odom from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming, signing off for another episode of Euripides, Humanities, a theater history podcast. We'll get another one out to you in another couple weeks, and I will see you at intermission.